Hello world, welcome back to another episode of America's Sweethearts Podcast. On today's episode, we have Noah Ring as guest. He's a teenage conservative activist and the author and publisher of his own book, The ABCs of Politics, from the eyes of a high schooler. He's a pretty cool dude. Uh, unfortunately, he's a Packers fan. It's kind of hard to deal with as a Steelers fan, but we got over it. Uh, he also has his own podcast, Let Freedom Ring. Uh, please welcome Noah Ring. Say you guys were Steelers fans. Yes, sir. I'm going to have to dip real quick. All right. No, I'm a, I'm a Packers fan. I like the Packers. I like Aaron Rodgers a lot. Yeah, he goes, his, his playing is good. His politics. Oh. I mean, that's how you get with most players. That's fair. Yeah, Let's get yeah. this thing rolling. Come on. All right, perfect. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to introduce you because I don't like doing that on Zoom. <laughs> so we'll, we'll pre-record that. But uh, first thing we'll get into, we'll give your book a little shout out. ABC is a politics from the eyes of a high schooler. Yes, sir. Uh, can you tell us what it's about and why you wrote it? Yeah, so uh, going in really during the entire 2018 midterms, which were some of the most energetic midterms uh, in our lifetime, I kept getting messages from high schoolers and college students all across the country. Hey, Noah, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment, but I can't, I can't really I don't have all the facts, you know, what are the facts? And what, and it, it was a lot of things, it was low taxes, it was being pro-life. And so I, I w- was telling these people, okay, this is why I'm pro second amendment, listing stats, listing facts. And then, you know, after a while, I just kind of kept the same text message that I would send to people over and over again. And then somebody was like, Hey, why don't you just, you know, put, put a little bit more work into it, polish it and make it a book. So that's what I did. So it really, it serves as a tool in the arsenal that young conservatives all across the country can use uh, to fight back against the left. And it also uh, serves as a tool for older conservatives like our grandparents to be able to connect with us. Cause I think you and I are both certain types of conservatives that our grandparents might not be uh, that they, they just yeah. tend to look at things a little differently because you know, there's a 60 year age gap. Sure. Uh, so how old were you when you wrote it? Uh, I started writing it, I believe, when I was 16, and I published it when I was 17, yes. Wow, good for uh, you. Is it, uh, what are we doing? is it self-published? It was self-published, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll make sure to put that uh, Amazon link down uh, down below the video. Yeah. Um, is there any, like, did you get any backlash for it, or did people like it, or? Um, I mean, I got some, I got some pushback from the normal people, you know, that one that went to my school at the time and just online, but overall it was pretty good. I got a lot of positive feedback. I, I'm not at the point yet where people are like actually like calling to kill me and stuff yet. I'm not, I'm not at that level of fame yet. We all strive for that level. Yeah. Yeah. We all strive for, we all strive for being canceled and being, uh, you know, hard being docs, but I'm not there yet. Uh, hopefully, uh, that never happens, but yeah, I got, I got pretty good, pretty good reviews on it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were glad to have it. In fact, I'm sending out another copy today uh, that I was supposed to do a couple of days ago, but I forgot, so don't tell them. <laughs> we blamed it on the USPS. Hey, classic scapegoat. Exactly. So, uh, no, how did, how did you like get involved in politics, especially conservative politics, because that's kind of rare for a, a high school, at least. Right, yeah. I've definitely been, been called weird a few times for being into politics. Um, but so I've always been a conservative. You know, I, I came from a... a a conservative family in Southeast Georgia. I, conservatism is in my blood. Um, but one thing that really got me into being very active and very vocal about politics was shortly after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. I saw what the left was doing with David Hogg, Delaney Tarr, Cameron Kosky, and all them. And I decided that I didn't want to let them speak for my generation. So instead that I, I started to to get more active on social media and started to post a lot more. 
And it's funny because this guy who had about 50,000 followers and at the time I was like, Oh my God, this guy is a celebrity. Um, he, he, he DM me and he was like, Hey man, I saw your post. Like, I really like it a lot. I'd like to, you know, help, you know, you gain followers. Is that be okay? I was like, yeah. And I gained like, I got like 5k followers overnight and I thought I was so cool. I remember going to school the next day thinking I was so cool. Um, but so it, it just started with that. And then I just, I've grown upon it. It was really watching people, watching a lot of the media and a lot of even really conservatives assume that our generation is, is socialist when I don't see it as such. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, for sure, there are a lot more radical ideas um, popularized by kids our age these days. And it's frankly, I think it's awesome that you and uh, so many others are taking a stand against it. Um, so you got involved with Turning Point USA. So tell us a little bit about that. How does that help you sort of grow your audience and uh, right. sort of enlarge your scope? So Turning Point USA is a good organization for those of you who are listening who don't know what it is. Definitely check it out. Um, it started back in 2018. I believe 2018, I went to HSLS. This was the year I started to get involved. And I was just, you know, I just went as a regular person. Um, and it was really fun. And then about about a year later, they they um, invited me to be an ambassador, uh, which basically is really cool if you guys ever get the opportunity. They send you a bunch of their free, like, cool shirts. And all you have to do is post pictures of it. Um, it's, it's really led. One, it, they, they send out a lot of material that really, like, solidifies your conservative. I actually think I might have it on me. Um, but they sent us a signed copy each of Charlie Kirk's book, uh, The MAGA Doctrine, which is, which is really cool. They, they do a lot of good stuff, a lot of good work. Uh, they also just launched TPUSA Live, which is going to be it's going to be fighting the culture war from within. It's going to allow conservatives like yourself, like myself, to get published where others might not publish us, like a Fox News, yeah. uh, because we just don't have that level of credibility yet. But um, no, it, it's really led to a lot of networking, and I'm very glad to have been invited to be a TPUSA ambassador. That's fantastic. Yeah, man, good for you. Oh, another thing I want to get to is I, I know you have your own your own podcast. Correct. Yeah, what's the name of it? Let Freedom Ring. That's a badass name. I was telling you. I thought so too. Yeah, man, that, that's awesome. <laughs> no, it, it's actually, so I, I didn't know what to call it. I didn't want to call it the Noah Ring Show because I just feel like that's like basic and kind of conceited. So I like tweeted out. I was like, hey, what should I, what sh starting a podcast, what should I call it? And some people were like, uh, Noah's Ark. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And then, like, yeah. this, I was like, let freedom ring. I was like, there it is. There that's it is. That's the one. one. Yeah, that's is. the one. Throwing a little bit of shade at the Charlie Kirk show. <laughs> the Ben Shapiro show. Um, all of them, dude. They're all. I mean. All of them. All of them. Uh, I mean, Tucker Carlson tonight's kind of a cool one, but still, yeah. I mean. Sean I kind of like the Joe Rogan experience. That's cool. Cause yeah, that's cool. Um, and then the you know, Rush, Rush Limbaugh show. They're, they're all. Yeah. It's all yeah. uh, first, last show. It's Yeah. It's a bit tedious. You gotta stand. You gotta stand. Yeah, you gotta stand out. And plus, when I launch merch, it kind of looks let freedom ring. You know what I'm exactly. saying? I'll hook you guys up. Hey, absolutely. Hey, now, where can we find the podcast? Uh, the podcast is everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Okay. Um, I've been able to partner with a, an app, a company called Red Circle, so they handle all that publishing it and everything. Um, but it's available on Apple, Spotify, um, Stitcher, all all of those. I don't know exactly which one, how many there are, but it's available on all of them. I promise you. Perfect. How long have you been doing the podcast for? Um, I started it about a year and a half, two years ago. And okay. then um, I got picked up on a congressional campaign and I started working really hard on that. And the podcast wasn't to the point where I would have liked it to be. So I kind of I kind of quit doing that, neglected it. Um, but what I did is I restarted it about three weeks ago. We're on episode number three. Episode number four comes out Monday. Uh, we're on episode number three. So what I did was I decided that if I'm going forward, I'm going bigger or going home. 
Um, so I, I have some really good guests lined up for the rest of the, the next couple of weeks leading up to the election. Um, and I think that it, it's a podcast. I think everyone should listen to. I'm not sure if you guys have listened to it, but if you haven't very upset, uh, <laughs> listen to one of the episodes, I will right. get on the rest of them. Are you, yeah. on, are you on YouTube or is it strictly audio? Uh, YouTube will be coming soon. Okay. YouTube will be coming soon, probably around November, hopefully. Yeah, see, we're the other way around. We got to get on everything else, like Apple Podcasts. We're only on YouTube right now. You know, we'll we'll talk about it. I'll I'll show you guys my like yeah. light just broke here. Oh God! Oh, we're good. We're good. I'll Perfect. we'll have a discussion about it. We'll, I'll teach you guys how to do it. Simple. Doesn't cost anything. Perfect. All right. So, sort of sticking with the podcast idea. Um, Joe Rogan, I listened to him a little bit. Uh, he had Tim Kennedy on. And mm-hmm. during that podcast, he offered to moderate a debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, you might be aware of it. Uh, I think he tweeted it out. Four hours, just the three of them, no audience. Uh, do you think that's a good idea? And also, do you think it'll happen? Uh, I think from the standpoint of an American citizen, I would love to see that. I wish that I wish Trump and Hillary would also go on it. I think that uh, I think that would be great. Joe Rogan is somebody to me who he represents the average American, even though I mean he's worth like a hundred million dollars now, two hundred yeah. million dollars now. Yeah. But his ideals, he represents the average American. I mean, he he came from nothing and worked his way up to being the one of the most famous people in America. He he is he is what I would say the the Democratic Party was ten years ago, fifteen years ago. He, I agree. Who he he's for free speech overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. He is pro Second Amendment. Uh, just with a certain respect, obviously he doesn't believe, you know, as, as harshly about the second amendment as you and I believe, but he's somebody who has gone after Trump, but he's also gone after Biden about not just, you know, personality, but also issues. I think that it would be something that would be very interesting. I think it would be overwhelmingly fair. I think that you wouldn't see Trump. I think that you wouldn't see um, Joe Rogan, you know, he wouldn't go into it with a vendetta. He'd go into it. He, he would understand the responsibility that he holds because, you know, Tuck, or not Tucker Carlson, Lou Dobbs. I mean, whoever, Rachel Maddow, Yeah. like they all have done this multiple times to them. It's like a rite of passion to meet a president. I mean, look at, look at how we did with, with Bernie Sanders, Tulsi Gabbard, Andrew Yang. Um, he had the Gary Johnson back in 2016. He's, he's interviewed people who were this close away from being into that debate. They were that close. I mean, especially with Bernie Sanders, he, he, he finished number two. So I think he, he, you can't argue he's not smart enough. You can't argue he's not credible enough, but unfortunately I don't believe that the Joe Biden camp will let it happen because they don't think Joe Biden can, can last four hours with president Trump, which frankly, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, Joe Biden is routinely late to, to these, to these events. He, he's routinely, he needs teleprompters. Joe Rogan would not allow him to have a teleprompter. Like tonight, as the date of this recording, this I mean, he he's scheduled to do a town hall tonight with Anderson Cooper, which I will be very interested to watch. Yeah, watching the uh, Steven Crowder live stream on that for sure. That'll <laughs> definitely also be fun. Oh yeah, not his drinking games though. Too young for that, but live stream will be great. Hey, as long as the cops don't see it, I'm not going to tell on you. Oh we, yeah, man, because police are great. One thing, one thing I want to get to, um, it kind of relations with uh everything we're talking about, like the Crowder podcast, our podcast, um, Joe Rogan is a lot of young, the younger audience, uh, in our age group, uh, generation Z, they, they, for the most part, they're kind of into podcasts and, uh, everything like that. Uh, would you say, what's your perspective on generation Z? Do you think that they're leaning more conservative or are they more liberal in the middle? What are they? Well, getting back to Joe Rogan, I think a lot of people in Generation Z are very similar to Joe Rogan. I think that they, 
Which it, it very it very well shocks me because I've yes yesterday I did an event with True Americans who who's a left leaning uh, person and I didn't I did a uh, did an interview with a, co- a couple of weeks ago with a girl named Shweta and they're both you know both said they would have voted for Bernie. Uh, one said they wanted AOC to be president. So I was, you know, going into it, I was like, okay, they're not, we're not going to agree on a lot, but we, we ended up, we ended up agreeing on a lot more than I thought we would. And when it comes to the second amendment, they were both like, well, I'm pro second amendment. I just want common sense reforms, you know, background checks, whatever, which you can respect. I think that what I dubbed generation Z in my, in my book is the live and let live generation. We're a generation that as long as like, as long as SIG is not harming Matt, we're going to be completely okay. We're not, nobody's going to stand in the way. We want people to, to, to go live their dreams. And we, and after that, we don't really care as long as they're not harming us. I think that somebody, somebody, uh, summed it up once as the gay couple next door should be able to smoke weed and have their guns, you know, as long as we're all that, that's what I feel like Gen Z is. Now, of course there are, there are people, uh, on the extremes who believe in ultimate taxation and ultimate governmental control. I unfortunately had the, had the distinct pleasure of talking to a girl a couple weeks ago, who told me that in an active shooting situation, she believes that we shouldn't call in the police. We should call in hostage negotiators. I was like, I was like, do what? In an active shooting situation? You're going to call uh, a negotiator? I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you might have to if you abolish the police, but hopefully it doesn't get <laughs> No, I, I really, yeah, I really like how you explained that. I, I never really thought about it like that, but that's a hundred percent true about, I'd say most of our peers our age, they they do appreciate freedom and they really don't care what you're doing as long as it doesn't affect or hurt anybody. Right. Yeah. So I think going along with that, why I think in general, um, especially presidential candidates are getting more and more polarized, uh, at least on the left for sure. And on the right, it's probably moving a little bit further. Right. Uh, but why do you think that is, wouldn't it make more sense for both parties to find someone that can steal votes from the other side? Or do you think this polarization is, due to just outrage or what do you think is going on? So I think that, I think that in 2016, uh, Trump served as the, he, he spoke to the people who were tired of, of the Republican party. And you saw a lot of people vote for Obama who voted for Trump in 2016. A lot of those swing votes, especially in places like Ohio, Pennsylvania and the, and the end of the Rust Belt. Um, and now, you know, with Joe Biden, you see a lot of people who voted for Trump in 2016 who are like, I don't know, they're going to reluctantly vote for Biden. Uh, I, I know a guy who works for the Trump victory uh, team here in my state. And he said that they're, that a lot of the, uh, uh, the way they rate it is you have soft, hard and strong Republicans. You have soft, hard and strong Democrats and then you have independents like moderates. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that a lot of the strong and hard Republicans are going to be voting for Biden. So I think the problem is that we have had, we, we're at the point where we have too many polarizing figures to the fact that where Joe Biden's not overwhelmingly polarizing, but since he's not overwhelmingly polarizing, he's polarizing. We're at, we're, at, we're at an age of outrage within our media. And I feel like that's why a lot of people our age are starting to go to podcasts because, you know, there's this, this is a, I mean, we've already been doing this for 17 minutes. This is not like five minutes. You have to make your case for anything in five minutes. You're off where people want clickbait. They want to be able to do that. That's why I think Joe Rogan has got the success he has. Cause he sits down, he records for like at least an hour, two hours and they just have a sure. discussion. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. Um, especially in the media, the attention span is that of a squirrel. So podcasts are a way you can lay out your, your entire plan, nuances and all. Um, and you don't have to go for some sound bite that you can use for a commercial or something ridiculous like that. 
Um, but yeah, I agree with what you said. I think it would be better if we had more, uh, not more, but less neutral, less polarizing and more towards the center candidates that you don't have to say, I hate this person. So I guess I have to vote for this person. Right. I'm, I, I hate the fact that people feel like they have to vote against someone. I wish, I wish I, I like yeah. voting for yeah. someone against people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the whole, almost the whole concept of the democratic party right now is they don't really have anything they stand for except Trump is bad. Right. Yeah. Um, so are you in, are you in, uh, your second year of college? I am. Yes, sir. Okay. So you're like, what are we like right, right with us? Um, uh, one, one, one topic I want to cover, I think it's super important is kind of the left leaning inf- influence that colleges have on young adults. Do you have, uh, opinions on that or stances on that? No. Yeah. I think, I think it's really important. I mean, even if you look at places like Liberty university, Jerry Falwell senior literally, literally created Liberty university to be, at least one campus uh, in in America where conservatives could go and didn't have to fear about retribution from from people uh, on the left. And even here recently, it's fallen from that. I mean, I see people mm-hmm. all the time posting about Save Liberty University. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have Hillsdale, which is obviously a good school, but even Grand Canyon University tried to cancel Ben Shapiro's speech a couple of years ago. Um, so we're at a point now to where a lot of people, a lot of liberal people go into academia. It's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, my... My girlfriend goes to uh, goes to the University of Georgia up in Athens, Georgia. Beautiful place. If you ever guys ever get the chance to visit, and I was just looking through the clubs there because I'm I'm going to be enrolling there next year once I'm a junior, and uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, a lot of liberal liberal clubs on campus. There's a lot of young Democrats, young Democratic Socialists, teenage like there's so many so many of them that it's very it's very scary. But I think that it it goes more. It, this is something that's been going on for years. I, in my podcast. On that I released a couple of days ago on Monday, I discussed. I had an email from a lady named Michelle, I believe it was, who who was telling me a story about the bias her administ- her faculty and administration at her college in the 1990s showed against her when she had a students for life group. I think that we have seen this go on for so long, and that we've just been too afraid to talk about it until people like Charlie Kirk and, and uh, Ryan Fournier. Fournier, he is such a hard last name. I just call him Ryan. Yeah. Um, they, they've came and they've made it cool to be a conservative on campus again, and they've given us tools to fight. I mean, we've we've seen literally in our lifetimes the last couple of years the launch and the growth and the success of places like Campus Reform, that literally documents li- when liberals go too far on college campuses. We've even seen Crowder confronts uh, a yep. couple of times. Yeah, and it's not only are they silencing conservative voices and and you know. Not only are they having all these liberal groups on campus, but it's also the professors themselves. They're actually, I've heard the phrase liberal indoctrination, where they're actually, which they should not as educators, but they're actually pushing their own liberal ideologies onto their students, which is, you know, they're young adults. It's not okay, you know? Yeah, correct. No, you're 100% right. Again, going back to that podcast, I'm sure, I promise I'm not trying to self-promote a lot. Um, What was I saying? So I actually had an, an email from another lady who told me that her, she was in her son's second grade class a couple of years ago, I guess it was. And she was, they were talking about nine 11 and a couple of kids uh, made a reference that the terrorists were bad people. And the lady said, this is just, this is very similar to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which if anyone knows history, Hiroshima, Hiroshima and Nagasaki happened because Pearl, because of Pearl Harbor, which was started by the, uh, by the Japanese. Yeah. It's, it's something that, you know, luckily I haven't had to deal with going to a super conservative school in Southeast Georgia, but I've heard, I've heard stories 
from across the country of kids. And it's very heartbreaking because I, I feel for them and I can't really do much to help them other than, you know, spread their story on social media, which I've done a few times, but we need to, we need to find a way in which we can stop bias in schools altogether because mm-hmm. I, I sit on the board of a thing called youthivism. It was started by two left, two very, very, very left leaning kids in San Francisco who retired of being only told the liberal perspective and so what we do is we basically go over curriculum once every couple of weeks that, that we put out and basically to ensure that it's fair. They have a couple of people like me, a couple of libertarians, a couple of moderates, a couple of socialists, and we, we ensure it's fair. We need stuff like that in the future because just as much as your podcast and my podcast wants to be able to bring people to the conservative side, people like Cenk Uger and people like David Hogg want to be able to bring people to the liberal side. We should each have the same opportunity when a person is, is graduating high school to be able to influence them because once once it's like it goes back to the saying is you can't teach an old dog new tricks so once something is drowned into a person it's so hard to get them to think any other way yeah i've definitely experienced that talking to my friends and it's gotten to the point where oh it's just fine we'll agree to disagree and that's the best i can do but i am looking for ways to sort of nudge them to not even completely convince them just poke holes in their idea Right, so, okay, right. well, maybe he's got bring a point. Them, bring them friendly to the idea of conservatism, even if they don't agree yeah. with. It. I think one yeah. of the best one of the best ways to to do that is to talk about taxes. Because it's like, yeah, so do you have a job? Oh, you do. Yeah, would you like more money in your paycheck every week? Would you like you get a bigger return? It's hard saying no to that. Exactly, because that's the biggest thing that that directly affects everyone. Like Joe Biden just released today that uh, unless you make four hundred thousand dollars a year, this tax won't this tax his tax code won't affect you. And I'm like Joe you're lying. That's yeah, that's not right. I remember when you're, when, when you and the, when you and Obama said we could keep our doctors as well, but that didn't happen. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think a lot of young adults and college students, they're just, they're not exposed to the conservative way of thinking because of the, the way the colleges are set up. Um, Dennis Prager, uh, creator of Prager university said, sending your kids to college is like playing r- Russian roulette with their values. And I a hundred percent agree with that. And also, if you, if you you look at it this way, um, liberals have taken over the media, they've taken over Hollywood, they've taken over sports, and they've taken over colleges and uh, education. And I, I think that's obviously having a strong and powerful impact on the way that they go off into the world. They're going to start thinking left, they're going to lose values, and they're voting left. And that, now, I like what you're saying, how we're going to try to you know, conservatives are going to try to take it back, trying to make it more balanced, less left-leaning. Uh, do you think that that's had a significant impact? I, I really truthfully think it has. I mean, I've seen a couple, I've seen administrators get fired for being way far left now, which obviously would not have happened before the rise of Charlie Kirk, before the rise of TPUSA on campuses, Young Americans for Liberty, Young Americans for Freedom. I think it really has. And a funny fact about Dennis, Dennis Prager and PragerU, uh, my senior year, I uh, tried to apply to Prager University because I thought it was an actual school. I, I didn't know. I just saw their videos. Schools yeah, put up. I, I, like, oh. I thought it was too. I was like, that's a good conservative school. I want to go there. What's the cost? Um, but no, I think, I think it has, has had a, a really big impact on, on, I think the biggest impact it's had is it, it's taught kids, hey, you don't have to sit by and take it. There are organizations who are dedicated to, to, to helping you in this situation. They're, they'll cover everything. They'll co- cover court costs and everything. That That's, one thing that has definitely been, it's definitely been, been helpful to a lot of students across the country. I mean, TPUSA has like, uh, reports your professor 
there. Charlie Kirk has, or uh, Stephen Crowder has a place on his website where you can like, like report your professor campus reform. And it's definitely been able to help, help college students understand that they're not in this alone. Because if you go to a place like Berkeley, you might feel like you're, you might feel like you're by yourself. Yeah. Even with the college Republicans out there, you might still feel like, you know, you're, you're completely outnumbered. So you might not want to make a, make a stay or make a case against, because you don't want, you don't want to lose. That's another big thing is that a lot of kids don't want their grades to be tampered just because they disagree. They mm-hmm. want to speak out against yeah. them just because they don't want their academic career to be done, especially if you plan on going to law school. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we brought up uh, how the left has taken over most parts of social life, uh, sports, academia, um, Hollywood, stuff like that. But sports are finally coming back after COVID. Everyone's excited about that. What do you think about uh, sports being used as a medium for pushing left-wing agenda? I'm not, I'm not an overwhelming fan of it, if I can be honest with you. See, this is why I'm not a big fan of the professional sports. I'm a big fan of college sports and college football. Uh, go dogs. Um, like, I'm a big, big, big Georgia Bulldogs fan. You see, um, uh, you see this flag? Hold on. Oh, no. Game oh no oh no oh no all right um anyway so matt's my favorite <laughs> interview so um no i'm not a big fan because one uh, a couple things are true here one it's true that these celebrities uh these athletes they have a voice they're allowed to use their voice it's also true that we should understand these aren't political science majors these aren't people who do a lot of research they're they're, they're just like you and i are just like average people when it comes to the political knowledge they see a headline, they post a headline. They don't, they don't have the in-depth knowledge that even, frankly, people on the left have. You know, Chank Uger, uh, he, he's somebody I disagree with, but he's smart. You, you can't deny that he doesn't he does, have... He does his research. Exactly. I just disagree with him. Um, and he disagrees with me, so it's fine. It's perfect. But, you know, when it comes to people like LeBron James, when it comes to people like um, Colin Kaepernick, these are people who... It's, they might not, not be smart, but they're not experts on this issue. You know, I think LeBron James is, is pretty smart. I think Colin Kaepernick's pretty smart. But would I trust them in a court in, in the court of law? No, because I don't think they understand the law very well because that's not their specialty. You know, Colin Kaepernick went to college to play football. He didn't go to college to get an education. I, I mean, I think you and I both know athletes yeah. who, who are in school because they have to. Um, you know, LeBron James didn't even go to college. Yeah. But they've made millions and millions of dollars, so they're obviously smart. So we have to stop attacking them like they're stupid because that's when they say, oh, they think they say I'm stupid, ha, ha, ha. And then they, they use that to grow. We instead need to attack the ideas because they have a lot of power, and that's something we have to fight against. But there are conservative uh, people in Hollywood, conservative people in sports that don't speak out because they don't want to lose their jobs. I mean, Chris Pratt, for instance, is somebody who, who, who's pretty conservative. Post Malone is somebody who's pretty conservative. He, I'm not sure if you guys heard his podcast, Joe Rogan, but he pretty much said that he likes to just hang out in the mountains and shoot guns all day. Yeah. That's a redneck. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I, I agree. Okay. Go ahead, Matt. Okay. Okay. So, so one, <laughs> so one thing I'll say, zoom calls, dude, I hate them. So one thing I'll, I'll say is I a hundred percent agree with you is, Athletes, um, I wouldn't trust their opinion, not because they're not smart, because I'm, I'm sure they're somewhat intelligent, but they're so out of touch. I mean, when you have millions of dollars in the people who are supplying that, Roger Goodell, the NFL, I don't know, the major directors in Hollywood, when they're all left-leaning and they're trying to push their agenda onto you, and you're so out of touch, you're you're going to accept it, unless you're very strong, like uh, – like you mentioned, Chris Pratt, Post Malone, uh, Alejandro Villanueva for sports. 
and they're just so out of touch. It's, it's hard to relate to them. They can't relate to normal everyday people and the issues that affect them. Right. A lot of these people, you know, don't remember coming from places that, that were completely, they don't remember coming from, whoa, coming from the democratically controlled cities. Whoa. Okay. Coming from the democratically controlled cities that led to bad, uh, bad conditions. You know, a lot of these people are from the inner city and good for them for getting out and now making a name for themselves and changing their family tree. If they're smart with the money, which I hope they are, they, they just forget about it. And we need to, you know, there are a lot of people who, who are really good NFL stars. I mean, Derrick Henry uh, for the Tampa, or Tampa Day, Tennessee Titans uh, is somebody who came from, you know, my hometown, Yuli, Florida. And he's somebody who every summer, every Christmas, he comes back and he goes to Walmart and he takes pretty much, he pretty much goes to the Walmart layaway and he says, how much does everybody owe? And he pays it off. He gives back, he buys cleats for local kids because he was somebody who had nothing until he had sports. Um, we need to find people. The right needs to do a better job of not just attacking the NFL, not just attacking Hollywood, but finding these conservatives in Hollywood because they do exist. I mean, Clint Eastwood is super famous. We just don't use them like we should. Yeah. You, got, you, got, you got a lightning storm going on there? No? I don't know. <laughs> we'll All right, to, to continue on your, uh, on your point, um, yeah, we, 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 there are – conservatives in Hollywood in the sports industry. And um, I agree, we don't utilize them, right? But whenever they, they um, stand up for themselves, they're, they're just torn apart on by the media, by Twitter. I mean, are you, do you know what happened with uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Steelers left tackle um, on Monday? Uh, he, he placed, um, was it the name of a veteran or a police officer on his hat, correct? Yeah, yeah a veteran. So, I guess the team voted yes to wear the name Antoine Rose, who, uh, unpopular opinion, was a criminal. Uh, I think it was just poor police training that led to shooting. Obviously, the police wasn't racist. Uh, again, it's a tragedy, but you know they're they're they were all forced to kind of support, like I said, a criminal who was involved in a drive-by shooting. And um, Villanueva was like, "I'm not cool with that." So yeah, he put the name of a, a veteran who. Uh, well, I don't know if he's yeah, a veteran. Uh, a soldier who ended up dying uh, due to a bunch of burns and he ended up getting a silver star uh, after his death. And uh, he wanted to support him. He was well, an that as well. One, you know, props to villain away, but he is, he is himself a veteran, correct? Yeah. yeah. Army, Army Ranger. Well, that, that's a, that's a feat. How do you go from Army Ranger to left tackle on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, why'd you choose Pittsburgh Steelers? Why not Green Bay? Um, look, I'm a, look, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of the military. I'm a big fan of the military. What are you counting to there? Um, Six rings. Oh, okay. Uh, we beat you last time. You guys are in the Super Bowl, so I don't want to hear okay, anything. Okay, well. <laughs> um, look, Andrew Villanueva is somebody who, who gives me a lot of hope in the NFL who, who just don't agree with, with this. I mean, you're trying to tell me these big, these big linemen from West Virginia fall into the same, to the same mindset as Colin Kaepernick. I just don't agree with it. We just need to f- ensure we need to show these, these NFL stars that they're not going to be canceled. We're going to fight for them because to be completely 100% honest with you, the prime demographic of the NFL are conservatives. I yep. mean, that's for sure. It, it, it's just like what happened a couple of months ago with NASCAR when they banned the Confederate flag. I'm not a big Confederate. I, I don't fly the Confederate flag. I think it should have the right to be flown. I'm not going to fly it, but let's look at your prime demographic here. Let's be honest here. Your prime demographic is is somebody who who probably flies a Confederate flag 
because they enjoy watching the race on Sunday. And I don't think there's a lot wrong with flying the Confederate flag um, when it comes to heritage, but I don't think I'll ever fly it. I don't know how we even got into the topic of Confederate flags. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, NASCAR, football, demographic, prime demographic. That's how we got there. Prime demographic. Yeah. I, I mean, well, well, you got to look at what football is. It's grown-ass men hitting the shit out of each other for like two hours on a football field. You think that liberals enjoy seeing that? That's, I mean, that's that's more of a, like you said, that's more of a conservative, I don't know, outlet, you know, way of enjoyment. And um, to be, get back onto the Villanueva story, um, I don't know, did either either of you hear of uh, Steelers center Marquis Pouncey, what his – Thoughts on the situation. So it came out a couple hours ago. I saw it on Twitter. He, uh, um, so like I said, the team voted yes to wear um, Antoine Rose on the back of their helmet. And just today, Pouncey tweeted out or maybe put on his Instagram and said, uh, like he DM'd it to the police chief because I have family members who were in the police department and they told me about it too. And he basically apologized for wearing it, wearing the name. He said, I, I really didn't know the story behind it. That's my fault for not doing the research onto it. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have worn it had I known the full story. So that, you know, that kind of shows something. Also, it takes pressure off the away us. So that's good too. Definitely props to to Pouncey for yeah. that. Yeah, major props for that. Mm. I guess there's some good on the Pittsburgh team. Okay, I guess there's some good. There's yeah. a little bit. We're not all bad. Here's, Here's the real question: Why are you a South Carolina and a Pittsburgh fan? How did that happen? Uh, I go to South Carolina. From Pittsburgh? Yes. Well, at least you were kind of almost smart. You almost made it. You're about you're about four hours away. About four hours. Yeah, it's no, a little you, bit more south. You watched the Packers game on Sunday. I did not. I did not. I, I was busy on Sunday, but I it made me really wish I had Aaron Rodgers on my fantasy team. <laughs> are you Are you gonna try to watch the next one? I don't even know who they're uh, playing. Who I don't know who they're playing either. We'll find out. We'll Google it real quick. That's the power of the internet. <laughs> so you're not boycotting? No. Oh, okay. All right. A lot. I'll tell you what. My like I mentioned, my family is very, uh, very conservative, and I got many family members who are police officers. I had to leave my house. I was wearing a Big Ben Bumblebee jersey. I had to leave my house, go to my grandma's to watch the game because I was not welcome in that in that jersey. <laughs> well, you know, I've never been someone who overwhelmingly watches uh, NFL games. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, they, they're just not as fun to me to watch. Like, um, I like to watch the good. I like to watch Green Bay versus Chicago. It's always a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just a better – I'm just a more – I enjoy college football more. I mean, him him being in, in South Carolina now, he probably understands. For it's sure. A way of oh, life it's, yeah, it's a way of too life. Bad, too bad your team in, in college isn't that good. Um, yeah, I know we're not good. Like, that's not – You guys that Will Muschamp? I mean, come on. Yeah. He's, he didn't do good at Florida, so he thought he could do good at South Carolina. That's just – I mean, he beat Georgia. You guys, Georgia, have, you guys so. have a knack for taking former Florida coaches and trying to see if they're still good. Um. Yeah, I've been more of a college person my entire life. I mean, I got to watch a little bit of the Georgia practice, and <laughs> we might just be a national champion. It's going to be very weird. Really? Hot take. Hot, hot take. Georgia won the national championship. Well, it depends. We play Bama in like two weeks or like three weeks. Yeah. So, like, the, the kneeling and, and the social justice warrior stuff, that doesn't bother you necessarily for, like, as a fan, as, like, watching the game, as a conservative? Um, it does. It, it bothers me, uh-huh. but um, I don't watch the part. The, to the to the respect that I do watch an NFL game, it typically is not for a long time at all, and it's typically like highlights because they just come up on your phone. It's like, what did what did Aaron Rodgers do today on the field? 
Um, I enjoy it because it gets my mind off of politics every once in a while, you know, unless they're kneeling. Not anymore. No. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the kneeling uh, as you are too. Obviously you watched yeah. the Steelers game and I yeah. think we can all agree that the kneeling is not good. I come from a long line of veterans. Um, I, I did my family tree all the way back uh, basically to the revolutionary war. Uh, since the first war in my family, there has been at least somebody in every single war, unless I missed one. Wow. wow. So, so I wow. come from a long line of veterans. So I can tell you that <laughs> my grandfather might be the only person in my family who's not who, who's not watching it now, and that's because he was a, he was a Redskins fan. And I get that. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. suck. Well, not just that. Yeah, I know. They're, they're, you know, they're winning the <laughs> division right now. I know, which is crazy. Well, it's week one. Calm down. Right, well, hey, they're winning at some point. Period. <laughs> yeah. See, that that's my problem. Is I I'm not gonna lie, dude. I'm a diehard. Like NFL fan, if you could, I got freaking JJ Watt over here, and you know I'm a diehard Steelers fan. So that, I mean that, that's that's where I stand, and like I have priests in my family who they, they're boycotting the NFL hardcore. So like I'm kind of getting pulled in two directions. Like I love my NFL, but I also love my police department. So I don't know, you know. Well, I think I don't think it's necessarily mutually exclusive to just you know say that you you can back the blue and still watch the NFL because not everyone who well two things not everyone who's kneeling hates police officers. Not everyone. There's a few, but the overwhelming majority of the, of the people kneeling are kneeling with good intentions. It's like the difference between all the rioters and all the protesters. There are some rioters, but they're, they're not all the protesters. I mean, there have been protests all throughout my, my community that have been peaceful, people walking together in solidarity, and it's really nice, but there hasn't been any rioting. So I think, I think you're able to watch the NFL. You're able to watch it, and you, one, not every player kneels. But of those who kneel, not every one of them, you know, are, are going to the extreme of Colin Kaepernick where they're wearing pigs on their socks in police uniforms. Yeah, I agree. I think that goes along with the, uh, what you call it, the live and let live generation where, I mean, you have the right to kneel during the flag or to kneel during the anthem. And I don't agree with it, but you have that right. Um, so frankly, it's not, I'm just going to ignore it. Like, it, or not even ignore it. I'm just going to disagree with it. So it's, it's it hard to, though, because, dude, they're pushing it in your face. Like, even the Chris Collinsworth, I mean, he may as well just said, fuck the police, you know? <laughs> like, the, the commentators, uh, everything on their names. It's, it's tough right now. I'm, I'm sure it will die down. But, no, thank you for kind of giving me the feeling that it's okay as a conservative. I, I needed that. I needed that. So, thank you. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually not sure if I'm going to watch the game tonight, Thursday Night Football or Crowder's live stream. Well, I've heard – who is it? It's uh, Cleveland versus Cincinnati. Yeah, that's a good game. It's a rivalry game. Yeah. Too bad. I, too bad. I, after after this podcast, I'm showering and going to get a bison burger. So, to, <laughs> my buddy invited me to get bison burgers. I was like, oh, I can't turn that down. They're going to be homemade. Yeah. Maybe we'll turn on the game. We'll see. Who knows? No, I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on, Noah. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm yeah. glad to come back anytime. Maybe, maybe we'll do an election night special if I'm not at some watch party. Hey, yeah. that'd be fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. we like Stephen Crowder. They're like, listen. Yeah, exactly. Anybody's liberals. I love, dude. Stephen Crowder is somebody who Fox must hate themselves for not for not. Oh, for sure. They pitched louder with Crowder. He pitched louder with Crowder so many times. Yeah. And they turned it down every time. And they don't. They dude. After like, after t- let's see, Tucker's at eight. Is there anybody after Sean? Or is it, I don't think so. No. It's it's rerun. Yeah, I think it's, or is it a rerun of it? 
I think it's reruns. I'm not sure. Yeah. But if they if they would have, you know, if they would have given well, even still Tucker just got a show a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Sean replaced Sean replaced Bill O'Reilly and Tucker replaced Sean's hour. So mm-hmm. I mean they, they they could have found a slot. They they really they really mess out there. Yeah, but yeah. you know, Carter's not a cable T V kind of guy. You know, I think no. he definitely he's in the right place for himself, you know, as long as YouTube And he's making a lot more money. Yeah. yeah. Mug Club. Are you are you a Mug Club? I'm not a Mug Club, no. Yeah. Me neither yet. I will. Good. I should do it. I'm still a student. I get the sixty nine dollars. Yeah, I'll say that too. All right, Noah. Thank you very much for coming on, bro. We appreciate Thanks again for coming on. Hey, before we go, uh, you want to plug your socials? It's at the Noah Ring, right? Correct. Add the Noah Ring on every social: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever. Add me. We can start a streak. We can. I don't know. We can be in back and forth. Um, if you want to email me for whatever reason, Noah at NoahRing.org. Podcast let freedom ring. Um, I look. Thank you guys so much for having me, and I look forward to working with you guys to save our generation. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Wow, you made it this far? That's incredible. Hey, if you enjoyed the video, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and stay tuned for more content. Thanks for watching.